It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 30th of March, 2018. Seven years to the date that we first did this crazy thing. We'll talk a little bit about that, but we'll dig into what this where this Jazz team sits as we wrap up March. Look back a little bit at the close of the Celtics game and some of the questions I've had from people. And we will reminisce a bit. Plus, look to the weekend ahead. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look behind the curtain. I decided we wouldn't do Pack Friday today. We uh, we did it last week, and sometimes I feel like it's pretty repetitive. So we'll we'll pass that uh, and do it next week. Probably still should do it, but uh, maybe I'll throw it in at the end. All right, so this is the seven-year anniversary of the show, which is kind of crazy. We did our first one. It's on YouTube in 2011. Maybe I'll tweet it out later today. I had no idea what we were doing. Um, I thought we might do it some of the time. I thought we might do it about football too. I thought we might, I don't know. I had no idea. Like if you go back and listen to the first ever show, we certainly didn't know what this was going to be. Uh, and so we'll talk about that in, in the second segment. I don't want to lead with that because I certainly don't think that's the most prominent an important story of the day involving the Utah Jazz. Uh, Jazz in Memphis today. we got to get back at it. Let's do our nightly review of what happened last night. There was one game, and the Spurs beat the Thunder. Really impressive. Uh, just great credit to Popovich and the Spurs right now. Aldridge has been great. Key play of the game last night. He just beat Steven Adams badly. Uh, they came from behind, outscored him in the fourth quarter considerably, and won it uh, 103-99. Russ was awful. Uh, down the stretch. Carmelo took six shots. I uh, had the scout on yesterday and locked on NBA. He was really pretty on it yesterday. And uh, it was, he had some comments. I mean, he basically thinks that Oklahoma City is primed for a first round out and might be right. Uh, but that that's a game. Here's the thing about Oklahoma City that's so interesting right now. Since February 22nd, 23rd, we started looking at this. They've lost every single game but one where they had a below 50% win probability. So they beat Boston. No, they beat Toronto in Toronto. But otherwise, they lost to the Warriors. They lost to Portland. They lost to Houston. They lost to Boston. They lost to Portland again. And they lost to the Spurs. To their credit... They have not blinked a single time against an inferior team. But those aren't playoff, you know, those aren't going to be playoff teams. 
so every time they've been favored, they've won. Every time they haven't, they haven't. They're the rest of the way. They actually have three games where they're kind of on the edge, and three games where they're favored considerably. So they're not in any jeopardy of not making the playoffs or anything crazy like that. And I think in most likelihood, Oklahoma City is going to end it at 47 wins. And frankly, as a as a Jazz fan, I we want them away from us. So last night, we were rooting for them. Well, if you could. Uh, some of us aren't capable of that. Because what you actually want to have happen is we don't want to end up tied with Oklahoma City in any tiebreakers because we're 1-3 against them. We want to stay tied with the Pelicans and the Spurs in our tiebreakers. If, in fact, we have a tiebreaker. I mean, I think we're the loss to Boston the, is making any move to 5 or 6 particularly difficult for us. But maybe. Still, still not sure how it'll all play out. Um, Minnesota game Sunday is Mammoth. Obviously, because uh, of that tiebreaker. And then the Clipper game coming up as well. Uh, we we just wrapped up the month of March. And one of the things that I'm trying to figure out, why, why are we not shooting well again? And the only thought I have is the grind of this is having an impact. That there's just so little margin for error right now that, frankly, you know, Quinn's playing these guys a ton. They're, every minute's got some angst to it. I thought Ricky Rubio, who's the, one of the most honest people I've I've ever interviewed, comments that are available at LockedOnJazz.net about the fatigue of it all, of watching every night and worrying about different matchups has something. Look at the minutes played in March. Donovan, 38. Gobert, 36. Ingles, 34. Rubio, 33. Crowder, 30. Favors, 26. O'Neal, 18. Jerebko, 13. Dante, 13. That's that's the nine-man rotation we're going with. That's a little old school. It's more than just to contrast it if we go back and they're different players, but we just look at December, which was kind of that raucous month of injuries and a lot of games. Donovan's at 34. Joe's at 32. Rubio's at 29. Favors is at 27. Gobert only played six games, so he was kind of a part-time player. Cephalosha's at 22. We're just driving. We're just driving, guys. There's no choice right now. And it's where what where Quinn has said, you know, we're already in a playoff run. In January, it picked up a little, but it was still Gobert was at 30 and Ingles was at 31 and Rubio was at 30 and Favors was up at 29 and a half. Um, and then, you know, you we did lose, by the way, when Rodney played and Joe Johnson about 51 minutes of what those guys uh is doing so it's a you know I, I just I think that's part of what's taking place right now on this team and maybe we're seeing it I, I mentioned it earlier this week with some of the other teams I think we are beginning to see this where the three-point shooting in the month of March is interesting to me so the three-point shooting in the month of March Ingles is at 44 Rubio's actually at 36 is our second best three-point shooter Jarebko's at 36, Crowder's at 35, Favors is at 31, Donovan's at 29, Royce O'Neal's at 19, Dante's at 17. So at, collectively, as, as our some of our three-point shooting has is, is gone off, the 
above the break shot, particularly if it's below 30%, um, there is, there's something, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if that's, that's it. Um, and I would, you know, I just tried last night to look at different theories on why maybe we're not making the above the break three. And the only thought I just have is, you know, the only thing I come up with was fatigue. And we don't have, as teams, we don't have guys that are remarkable shooters and we don't have guys that are incredible breakdown guys to get you looks. I mean, if the back half of the month kind of maybe refuted a little bit of my thought when I went and looked at the last, I went and looked at since March 15th. I just plugged that in as a halfway point. You're dealing with seven games. Rubio's at 44%, which is way above anything you could imagine. Ingles is down to 39, taking seven a game. So he's really upped his ante. Crowder's at 30%. Jarebko's at 29 Donovan Mitchell's at 27, Royce O'Neal's at 22, Favors is at 22, and Dante's at 17%. Um, it's just not, frankly, it's not a great shooting team. Might be, you know, I might be overanalyzing all of this uh, unnecessarily because it's just not a great shooting team. And for whatever reason, um, maybe because we're not a naturally great shooting team, and that's things you're going to want to add in, in the offseason, is that you, uh, we have, on a lot of our players, we have this wide break on the above the break three versus the corner three. The above, if you, if you look at the three-point line, it goes out straight, and then when it breaks into that semicircle, for whatever reason, on a bunch of our guys, that shot's a more difficult shot. Jay Crowder is a 45% corner three shooter and a 28% above the break shooter. Um, Joe Ingles is just great at both. Jonas Jarebko is a 53% corner three shooter and 29.5% above the break. I think that's the biggest disparity of anyone in the league. Donovan is a 47% corner three shooter and a 32% above the break uh, shooter. Neto, was, who didn't take many, was even. Uh, Royce O'Neal is just a little bit better because he's, he's cold from three right now. Um He's at 37% on the corner three and 33% overall. Rubio a little bit better, and then Tabo was. Also, that's that's for the season. And then if we go play around and search for the last, you know, again, I'm, I'm choosing arbitrary numbers, but March is like 14, 15 games uh, sometimes seems to be a, a decent number to choose. But if we, if we take that, um, I've talked about since the All-Star break. I'll grab the last 15 games here. Some of these discrepancies get even wider. In fact, Royce's shooting jumps out a little bit because you're losing one or two a game. And when you start losing these percentages, that's all you're losing is one or two a game. Since uh, the last 15 games, A.B. was 2 of 6 in the corner, 3 of 15 above the break. Jay Crowder's 44% corner 3, 29% above the break. I think I've proven my point. Um, Jarebko is 48% corner three, 24% above the break. Donovan's just 29% above the break, hasn't hit the corner three either. Royce O'Neal's three of 13 on the last corner threes, one of eight on his above the break threes. And Rubio's actually 44% corner three, which has really been a struggle for him until now, 33% above the break. So just maybe just not natural great shooters. Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on, uh, 
lot of questions. A lot of questions like, was Quinn out coached? Did Quinn make mistakes against Boston? I always love what Quinn says about this. Quinn says, I review all these things and wonder myself. The difficulty is I don't know that the other thing would have worked. Right? So, you know, for example, we don't get a defensive rebound, so favors should have been in the game. Okay, there's a legitimacy to that because the defensive rebounding rate when Favors and Gobert in the, is on the floor together this year is 83%, which is way high elite. Um, the league average is about 78 79%. It's really, um, it's really great. Problem is, by the way, is that when Favors and Gobert have been on the floor in the fourth quarter of games this year, when teams usually spread out a little bit, we haven't been as good. Um, the offensive rating is only a 100, and the defensive rating is like a 101.5. So we've actually been outscored in fourth quarters with Favors and Gobert. Post-All-Star break, they've been great together. Post-All-Star break, they've been a 107 offensively and a 100 defensively. It's been really, really good. Same time, Crowder and Gobert, which is what Quinn went with post-All-Star break, has been better. Right? So Favors and Gobert are plus 7. In about the same amount of minutes post-All-Star break, Crowder and Gobert are plus 14. I'm rounding, just to make it easy. So they're two times as good. There's an unnatural free throw rate going on with the Crowder-Gobert number, so I don't think it'll last at that level because that would make them about better than the Warriors. Um, but in the And in the fourth quarters, they're plus 5.3. They, the, the offense is – this is limited. The, the, the real problem when you start to do this – is you're into minuscule sample sizes with all sorts of noise. Even all year long five-man lineup number, I think, is flawed. So it makes it really, really hard. So make sure we're clear. In, in 94th quarter minutes this year, which is just not enough, Favors and Gobert's offense is a 101. In 103 fourth quarter minutes, Gobert and Crowder together is a 107. Pretty big difference. Defenses are the exact same, by the way. So, in regards to last, last two nights ago, that's the lineup Quinn went with. Track record says that's right. Was it right that night? I don't know. Maybe you should have played favors more. Um, you know, that's I've seen every a lot of pundits who I generally have seen fans, and I've also seen guys who blog and have, are now you know classified as media, and that's fine. I don't. That's not a criticism. And then I've seen I haven't seen actually. I didn't see Tony or Aaron or. Kyle or Eric say it so um, and there's a little bit of a difference there by the way um, of whether someone says it there's a difference just always know that filter not saying one's more valid than the other just that they're a little different Um, and so there I've seen that I don't think it's an illegitimate comment that favor should have played more he's he was playing great I just don't always know what the answer is of when or where and I certainly don't know that it would have worked, right? That's the trick here is you just don't know it would have worked. What, what's really an interesting, and this is an off-season discussion to have, um, particularly if Favors does not get a great market. Favors, Gobert has, have figured out a way to work. It's really impressive from Favors' part, from Gobert's part, from Quinn's part, um, from front office, I guess, putting it, to, you know, having it out there. So it's plus four for the year together, which is really good. It's plus seven post-All-Star break together, which is really good. What, what we don't know, and I don't know that we will know uh, numerically, is is it better than what else could be put out there? In other words, when 
Gobert and Jarebko are out there, and Gobert and Favors are out there, and Gobert and Cephalosha are out there, they're, they're pretty good. Now, they're not playing starters all the time, which is what Gobert and Favors are doing, but also the first minutes of games are different than the close. I mean, there's just so many different moving variables that it's almost impossible to really know which it is. All right, we'll review seven years of life in a moment. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. In the seven years, the thing I've got to be really thankful is the, the recent trend of people uh, being interested to support the time and effort to do this show. Murdoch family has been of them, and, and thank you guys so much for supporting our sponsors. You've been incredible. Uh, Blake says that he sees Locked On jazz listeners all the time. You can go visit Blake at 4646 South State Street. Uh, in Murray. They're also located in Logan and Linden. The Hyundai is a brand that uh, when I first started with them, I, it was not on my list. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't know a lot about it. Didn't really uh, understand that it was as high quality as it is. Just knew that it was inexpensive. And sometimes when you think things are inexpensive, there's inexpensive. There's all these research projects that show that people all the time will just buy the most expensive thing or they'll send their kid to the most expensive school because it's the, what they think is best. Hyundai actually defies that. You, you get this incredible value. You get the 100,000 mile assurance um, warranty and you get really, really great service for the money and you get great uh, quality and features for the money. $5,000 off the 2018 Santa Fe Sport. I'm a big fan of that Santa Fe Sport. The new Kona is out. I haven't got a chance to drive it. Let me know. I drove the Ionic, which is their hybrid. If you're looking for a hybrid, uh, I would strongly suggest not just going and grabbing the Prius, but checking out the Ionic for a quick second. I'm currently driving uh, the Sonata and enjoying it immensely. It's a really nice luxury car. Check it out. 4646 South State Street. Go say hi to Blake. Thank him for allowing the daily edition of this Locked On jazz podcast each and every day today's show is also brought to you by intercap lending that's where i got my mortgage done recently steve carter helped me out 385-800-8528 i tell you three things that i think are important to know about intercap lending one is their goal is to make it as easy as ordering a pizza if you want to order a pizza right now you can just go online you order your pizza it shows up at your house that's their goal there's some government regulations it's not that easy to do it but for me Frankly, it was because I'm busy. I was in the middle of the season. I have no time. I don't see friends. I don't do these things. And somehow we were able to get this done only because of how great intercap lending was. Got a super rate, but more importantly, they walked me through the process, which I didn't think I had time for. Their app is remarkable. You can download the app right now. You, in this insane market, you actually can pre-qualify based on the information through the app and give that to your realtor. So then you, uh, then when you need it, you... Um, when you, when you need that pre-qualification, you have it ready for you and get you moving in the market even faster. And then use the app. You take pictures of all your documents. You do it online. It's it's fabulous. Intercap Lending, NMLS 19465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. The other thing they're great at, low credit issues. They can help you out because they're a direct lender. If you're self-employed, have business assets, multiple properties, take a, and have a loan that's having a hard time through the big banks, this, they're direct lenders. Our mortgage is still with them right now. Um, so take a look. They can take a look at your loan and help them out. Give Steve Carter a call. 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. And if you do your loan with them, tell them you're from Lockdown Jazz. They'll give you your appraisal for free. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So seven years ago, I just want to reminisce for a second. Seven years ago, we started this thing. If you go back on YouTube and you find the first show, I'm just sitting there. And I don't even really know why. I mean, I had for the first year, I was a play-by-play announcer. I'd hosted a talk show, and it was too much. Um, I was totally wasted at the end of that year and could not have done that again. And so definitely I kind of took some time off. And I, I don't know what happened on March 30th of 2011 that I suddenly decided, well, there's enough stuff going on, and I, I'm not doing the talk show anymore, and I think we should interact. I think the podcast world had begun to explode. I think I saw it as a mechanism. But frankly, we did it on YouTube um, to start. Um, maybe it was simply because the Jazz played Monday, March 28th, and not again till Friday, April 1st, and I got bored. Um, it wasn't like we were good. We were in the midst of a eight-game losing streak that year on our way to a 39-43 and 43 season. Um, I, I have no – we lost an overtime game to the Wizards on Monday. Didn't play until Friday. Maybe the snow sucked. I have no idea where this came from other than maybe, you know, just I think I saw how the world was working and that there was an ability to um, – communicate with the fan base. I've also said this numerous times, and I, and I mean this with all sincerity. I, following Hot Rod, I was pretty well doomed to fail. And if I had just, you're, you're following one of the greats of all time who's embedded with a marketplace and has a historical spot that's never going to be equaled in any way. There's nothing, I, I, there's no chance I have in my career to ever equal Hot Rod. That That's not a possibility. It will always be his job. So maybe... I think part of it, I've said this publicly before, is I had to find a way to do something a little different, which was, you know, how do I do this job 365 days a year, or really 250 podcasts a year, um, minus some vacations, so probably 230, 220, 240. How do I do that uh, rather than just call 82 games and communicate with you that way. Twitter had exploded, and we had all these different ways to communicate, and I, I thought there was this. Um, then the the funny thing is that about, just to give you a little background on where the podcast network came out, um, I watched the industry. I was, for those who don't know, uh, my career started in 92 as a talk show host. I'm old. Um, right when Ichiro started playing professional um, uh, baseball, and he's still playing, kind of crazy. Uh, I started in 92, um, and did the talk show. In 94 5, at 25 years old, I was named program director of uh, what was really the second sports radio station in Utah. So I, um, maybe the third, actually, I think this is probably a better way to give Barry King his due with the score. And then uh, Chris Tunis was running Kiss, and then 25, I got hired away to run a, and program, and I had some brilliant people around me that uh, Scott Mahalik and Pete Benedetti that really gave me some pretty good guidance, and we had super success, and I had an amazing staff that was led by Kevin Graham and Ryan Hatcher, and now big wigs in the business, far beyond where, where I've ever gone. Uh, Ryan's whole market manager in Phoenix, and Kevin's basically the same in Dallas. They both had incredible careers. Uh, I, I think I got lucky early in my career. I surrounded myself with really, really good people. But I do think that we had a little bit of an understanding of what how the the game worked, how, how radio worked. 
podcasting to me is just another version of audio delivery. And so trying to replicate some of what we learned there is how I visioned what was going on with the podcast world and kind of looked at that and said, you know what, this is, this should work. Then, um, so that was the premise behind that, um, with that background as a program director. Then when I came back, uh, then when we, we were rolling and no, we didn't have any metrics. Um, nobody was keeping track of how many people were listening. Um, I remember I would do silly little things like ask you guys questions like, well, do you watch it on YouTube or do you listen to it this way? And then I would take the 100 people that responded and 70% would, percent would say they listened to it via um, audio and, and 30% would say they'd watch the video. And then I'd go look at the video numbers on YouTube and then extrapolate out and be like, wow, there's actually a lot of people listening to this. Uh, and then eventually... Uh, as you have felt in the recent time, it was clear that podcasts were starting to make a lot of money, or at least, let me rephrase that, trying to make some money. And so we started, uh, I, I did the national show Locked on NBA and sold that before, if you notice, before we sold Locked any advertising on Locked on Jazz, uh, just to kind of see, that actually did stunningly well. Uh, and I had listening numbers on that, still didn't have listening numbers on Locked on Jazz, but was like, wait a sec, I... There's something going on here. Uh, th- then when we got the listening numbers on Lockdown Jazz and I saw what was going on, uh, it's at that point that we then uh, built out the Lockdown Podcast Network, which has now got a podcast for every NBA team, virtually every NFL team, and is now moving into Major League Baseball and hopefully can actually turn into a viable uh, media company here at some point. So that's kind of the background on this in 11 years. I don't know if you really wanted that. Uh, for me, what's been incredible has been the connection. I feel, and I, I tweeted this out earlier this week, and frankly it was all about the feeling I had about missing a game this weekend um, and how difficult that was for me un- and felt a little strange that it was, the, you know, that the connection I have, I did feel like there's, you know, I've got a little bit of multiple families going on here. This family uh, with Jazz Nation and then the, frankly, no offense, but the really important family of my wife and two kids. And I, I felt that connection. I do think that that's what this has done. I feel incredibly connected to you guys. I do. Um, I have taken the time to think back. Somebody just tweeted me this when I kind of pointed out uh, from Danny Deer. Dandy Deer said out, can't believe I've been listening to you. Uh, that long, a while back, I told my wife that yours was the voice I probably hear more than anyone else in my life, but hers, that may be a little sad, but I really appreciate all the work you do and keep it up. You know, um, it probably is sad, but I'm aware of this. Um, and I think about it all the time in that, um, I, if you actually listen to this show five days a week, you're spending two and a half hours with me, uh, unless I just never shut up and then you spend three hours with me and you probably don't do that. But even if, if we just take that, you listen to three days a week or four days a week, you're listening to two hours. Like I don't have a friend in my life, including my wife who I talk to for two hours a week. I mean, I, maybe my wife and I talk for it, but, but you combine the, does that count like every 45-second conversation that's interrupted by homework, cooking, and everything else that she's busy with helping out with where I walk in the room for 30 seconds and try to grab everyone's attention? Like, does that mean, you know, or dinner, I guess dinner by the t- – we have tried to have dinner together every night, but, for, you know, that's a joke. For me, that's once or twice a week um, at most. So, yeah, maybe our, maybe our family. and But then after that, I don't have a friend in my life who I spend two hours a week with. So I spend it with you and – uh, I appreciate that you spend it uh, with me. 
And I'm aware of that, and I'm very, very, very grateful for it. And and I have mentioned this, and I don't mean this just out of profit. And I'm about to do another uh, sponsorship read right out of it. But the other thing that's been really flattering is that we have people that are willing to sponsor the show, which means that they think there's a viable audience to it. And then, two, your reaction to supporting our sponsors has allowed us to build this into an entirely, you know, a, the Lockdown Podcast Network is exciting um, and been really fun. Uh, one question I get a lot. I wasn't really didn't I didn't really prepare that. That's probably why it sucked. Um, people always ask me like is the lock I'm never I'm not quitting my jazz job. Um, I have no intention of being anything other than the radio voice of the Utah Jazz and if um, if I'm not it's because they fired me. And uh, frankly with my brain that can't sit still that um, just goes at a million miles an hour, having the podcast network is actually what will keep me doing the jazz job forever is because that gives me just something else out there, keeps me engaged, keeps me plugged into other stuff and doesn't make me yearning to go do something else. So um, I know a lot of people recently, I felt like this recently as the podcast network is taking off and I mean, there's a whole new TV show called Alex Inc. That's about a podcaster that took his podcast network public and did all these things. I can feel a little bit. These people are coming up to me and saying like, does this mean? No, it's the exact opposite. Um, The podcast network is what's going to keep me, uh, engaged and staying uh, here. I, you know, look outside. Why would you ever leave this place? All right. I don't, um, I wish I had funny stories to tell. I don't have a great memory um, on things like that. That's probably something we can do at the 10 year mark if we keep going with this, which we will. Uh, crazy thing, or maybe some other time, but uh, if people today want to roll through crazy memories of um, silly things I did on the podcast. I can't differentiate what we did on the podcast compared to what we might have done on a talk radio show over the years. We've spent a lot of time together, people. Um, we get 25 years of connection in this state minus an eight-year little gap in Seattle. So 17 of the last 25 years, we've all been talking to each other and interacting about sports fans. And it's pretty incredible to, um, to have this engagement with a fan base, engagement with an individual listeners. And, and uh, I, I sincerely I, – I, I'm kind of overwhelmed by it as I start to really think about it. I haven't thought about it a great deal. So uh, thank you, I guess, is really what this message um, should be. I, I, for those who don't know the background, there's all sorts. You know, we've added so many listeners over the years. And there's all the drum roll is because we started the show. and We didn't have any production. And so we started doing pro- – I pro- joked around about the fact that, um, well, we don't have a, a production staff. We're just this one-guy show. So this is it. That's our production. Um, the show did – has always been predicated. Ironically enough, maybe it tells us about all of us that the um, – that this uh, a non-coffee drinking state and the whole show has been predicated on me drinking a cup of coffee while hanging out and sharing the sports page with you, which um, I don't know if I've told this. I'm really babbling now. Uh, I don't know if I've told this story, but my dad, who is my closest friend in the world, um, used to get up every morning and he'd read the sports page and he would highlight parts of it and leave notes for me on it. And then he would nicely, I was spoiled, put my breakfast um, he'd have my breakfast out for me and I have the sports page and then I'd read the sports page, the green of the San Francisco Chronicle. It was called the sporting green every morning and he'd have notes in it and things of that nature. And then when he drove me either to the bus or if we walked to the bus or later when he drove me to the train to get to school, we would talk about whatever that was. That was our drive. That was, that was kind of, that's my idyllic childhood that I remember. Um, I think it actually might've been that way. Uh, and might have actually been that idyllic for much of it. So uh, those are my memories. All right, let's let. let <laughs> sorry, <laughs> maybe that's perfect, right? 
Maybe that's absolutely perfect. This aimless, wandering bullcrap that doesn't make any sense that uh, is the essence of what Locked on Jazz has been coming off this, like, numerical depth. Uh, anyway, uh, if you want to have mental strength far more than what I just did in the last segment of this show, you should use optimal norms just so that you're not a freak. What does Rob Thomas' song say? I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. All right. Well, mentally in sports, you can become well. Mental aspects of sports are critical to success. I think I think you know that when you really get down to it and think about it as a fan, when you analyze games and look at stuff, that's what we're, we're so often talking about is whether they handled the moment or, or not. Uh, I have two kids that have been fortunate enough to be strong enough athletically that they go and are playing in some big moments, and you get to watch whether they can handle it. It's a huge part of it. We send our kids to the weight room. We have their coaches, but we don't work on this. Well, that's what Optimal Norms is for. OptimalNorms.com, Mason Nichols and his group are mental performance consultants. The mental aspect of sports is critical to success, right? So you're talking about performing under pressure, handling failure, staying confident, staying motivated, staying focused, decision-making in the moment, relaxing, breathing patterns, uh, slowing down your mind, getting it focused on the right things, not the wrong things. All of these things are so important. So here's what Optimal Norms does. They have two different ways they do things. One is you sit down one-on-one with a mental performance consultant, deliberately train the mental aspects of the sport. Uh, Most athletes don't take the time for this, so you're giving your athlete a little bit of an edge here uh, to be able to get something done. The consultants have advanced degrees in sports science and psychology. Then the cool thing about Optimal Norms is they can do sessions online, take advantage of my Modern technology. So your child is at a major event or they're on the road and they want to check in about something, they can do that uh, with their mental performance consultant at Optimal Norms. OptimalNorms.com always have access to your mental performance consultant. If you tell them Locked on Jazz and you purchase five or more sessions, you'll get one for free. 801-722-8180. That's 801-722-8180. OptimalNorms.com. 801-722-8180. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's look at the weekend ahead. Uh, for those who don't know, I will not be calling uh, the game on Sunday. Uh, Steve Brown will be in for me. Appreciate Brown taking the time. He's been great and such a pro. Uh, he's done a great job with the G League all year long and, and glad he's going to fill in and carry you guys through it. And thanks to Adrian Leiser, our engineer, who... who has to do a lot of extra work when I'm not there. Has to do a lot of work because I'm around also. But uh, really appreciate uh, that. So uh, I'm, my son is competing in an alpine ski racing, and it's a big enough deal that the company really pushed me to go. So I'm going to fly out. I'll be back for you for the Lakers because I hate the fucking Lakers. Um, I remember that. I think that was talk show, though. All right, let's look at the weekend. Um, Minnesota's got Dallas tonight. We'll keep an eye on that one. This one's only important because they've got to win this game. You know, Minnesota's in a funny thing where they've got this really easy schedule left, but they have 33 losses. And if, you know, 37 is or 47 is my number, that only gives you 35 losses. Uh, so they sh- they only have they don't have a lot of wiggle room left and they play Dallas tonight. They're favored. They should win that, but they just haven't been playing great. Um, and they've lost some games that they probably sh- that they should have won here. Uh, 
then they have us on Sunday. They get a bunch of days off. They go to Denver and to the Lakers. So they these next two for Minnesota are mammoth because their next two are on the road in games that they may lose. And so if they suddenly were to drop Dallas tonight, which I think is unlikely, but they drop – if we can play well against them, Carl Anthony Towns gives Rudy a tough time and spreads out the defense a little bit in a way that other players don't, then that's a big issue. Um but if they drop those two, they suddenly are staring at four losses the rest of possibly in a row, which then gets them to a, a scary number. Uh, San Antonio, massive win last night. They've got two days off. They'll play Sunday against Houston, and then they play the Clippers uh, in L.A. before playing the Lakers, two games in the same building next week. That Clipper game, we really need, at this point, you're now going to start rooting for San Antonio to win. Oklahoma City plays a back end of a back-to-back tonight against Denver. We They have them at home uh, after being in San Antonio. We certainly are... Uh, uh, We'll cleanse ourselves afterwards, having to root for Oklahoma City. They then play the Pelicans on Sunday. Um, again, I'm rooting for Oklahoma City to get them out of tiebreakers. The Denver plays the Thunder and then comes home for Milwaukee. Denver is is at the point where they really are are not able to take in a, many more losses at this point at 35 at 34. Uh, New Orleans this weekend uh, – has is off until tonight. They play Cleveland tonight and then the Thunder over the weekend. So two games which are touch and go for them. The Clippers have the Trailblazers tonight, which they're not favored. Um, and then uh, they play the Pacers at home where they are favored. So, But those are two. And then the Jazz have the Grizzlies tonight. 89% win probability, only 37 win probability in Minnesota. That was before the Butler injury. Um, and... Uh, it will be interesting to see uh, what what happens in Minnesota. That's a massive one. Come back for the Lakers. They have to win. The Clippers, they have to win. I mean, the Jazz could somehow find a way to get their next four and suddenly be up to 46 wins. We could probably breathe. Uh, otherwise, I think we're going to head down to those those final three games, need to go grab uh, one or two of them. Interesting weekend. Lots going to play out. I will be tweeting. I will be watching. I might even, for all we know, write an empty the noggin uh, from – uh, whatever's going on in Washington, depending. Um, so we'll see. All right, thank you very much uh, for your support. Seven years of this is, is really remarkable. Um, I can't, and then the growth of Locked on Jazz to Locked on NBA to the Locked on Podcast Network. Couldn't have done it without you. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.